Hello and welcome to Wonder Pod, episode 180. We're back and we're all here. That's right. Glacinator's no longer on fall break, so he's here. <laughs> as usual. Whoa. I'm crazy. Like that like that like that uh, sneaky in- intro? Oh, sneaky. Meaning, you know, Instead of saying uh, joining us this week as always is Glacier. <laughs> yes, yeah, just I just just slightly chuckle every week when I'm on. <laughs> just don't even introduce me anymore. Well, you're gonna have to make like a very distinctive chuckle. I don't know if you should go for like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might work. <laughs> there we go. That's the one I was looking for—the cheesy kind of cartoon villain one. Well, there you go. I am here, obviously. If, the, if this wasn't me, I'd be very concerned about who this was. Because yeah, he sounds very similar to me. He does, <laughs> he, yeah, he does a very good imitation of you. Yeah. The question is, can he keep it up for 90 minutes to two hours? I don't know. Let's <laughs> find out. <laughs> also joining us this week, and probably wondering why he is, it's John. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm not wondering why I'm here, and I have to admit that... Uh, the last few minutes of just chatting it up and and uh, getting ready for the show and a little bit of special chocolate has has improved my mood immensely and uh, after being kind of tired <laughs> just 15 minutes ago, <laughs> I've just been tired all damn day and I I mean I'm getting enough sleep. <laughs> I'll leave you to determine what's enough. Um, but. Even on the worst days, I think I wake up about the time we're done with what we've been playing sufficiently to do my normal, inane, stupid antics. <laughs> so at least we got that to kind of slowly work our way into show form. Um, Glacinator, since you were gone, so out of town, running around, having a good time, um, did you play anything in video game format this week? Um... In the car on the way to Florida, I went to Florida last weekend. I did play uh, my 3DS and Vita a little bit, since I thankfully did not have to drive that time. Um, I played a little bit more Rayman uh, Origins on my Vita. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but in the Vita version, there there are times where when you'll kill an enemy, like some little yellow things will that you collect in the game, they're basically coins. They're not coins, but they're little little berry things, I guess. They fall out of enemies, and in the normal game, you just run over them to collect them. But in this game, sometimes they appear in bubbles. If they appear in bubbles, that means you can touch them on, on the Vita screen to get, get to get them. So I thought that was interesting just because that, that really, I mean, it's not in the console game. And it makes it interesting because you'll be playing a level, and there'll be like a bunch of you know gold things in one area, and then there's just like there's some hidden ones on the top right of the map, and you'll just like reach over and touch them to grab them all. Especially in the levels that are a lot more quick paced and action oriented where you'll be running and jumping and also there's like a bubble you have to touch and you're like, oh, you know, and they're not, they're not annoyingly placed. So it's not like you're moving your hands all around, you know, to, to touch them. It's, they're very, Raymond's very rhythmic as everyone knows. So it's, they're, they're well placed and it's fun to do. Um, also tried to play some more uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns. Um, and my complaint about the game still stands from when I originally brought it up earlier in the summer, which is that it's too small on to play on 3ds um i was trying to play it in the car and i just i couldn't see what i was doing and the level that i was on i was on a boss level 
where you're on these minecart tracks and there's moles that are in banana minecarts and they throw pickaxes at you basically. And if you die, then you basically have to start the boss all over again. And I just couldn't beat it because I couldn't see what was going on. I mean, the only way I can see myself being this level is if I play in the dark, like the complete darkness with the screen like an inch away from my face. I mean, I was trying to play in the car and I was moving around and, you know, there's all this stuff going on, like there's sunlight in my eyes and I just, I couldn't see, I, like I turned, I turned the 3D off and even that didn't help. So and I got frustrated and I don't know, it's annoying because it's a portable game. It being on 3DS, I feel like it should, I should be able to play it mobily, you know, and the fact that I can't see what I'm doing, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. Get so. an Excel. I, I looked into upgrading, Excel. but I don't know. It's like 150 bucks, you know, and I don't get enough trade-in value. So, uh, sell a pri- do what I did and sell it privately and, and make your own price. And then if you sell it, then put it into a new one. That's true. He hangs around with broke college students. Who's he going to yeah. sell it to privately? <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. Not Craigslist. Not Craigslist. Uh, you know, it's funny, though, because... Uh, you know, kind of parallel conversation, Glaze, about, mm-hmm. you know, how we're listening to somebody talk about how Windows 8 sucks and you can't do this and you can't do that. Something popped into my head about games like you're talking about with Donkey Kong Country Returns. The fact that there are things that you have to change when you change platforms. And 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 I'm finding it hard to believe that you're the only one having this issue. You know, and maybe it's something that Nintendo there's no sh- way I'm the only one because I rarely <laughs> ever complain. I rarely right. ever complain about how things look, especially on handhelds. I mean, and this is just overly small in how it is. And I know that in, in the 3DS version, they like, oh, they made it easier. Like, you have an extra life, you know, but that doesn't change how it looks. I mean, you die less, maybe, but I still can't see what the heck I'm doing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, I mean, I'm. I'm very happy that I got a, got my Excel to play that game because even on that, like there, there are some things that like when Donkey Kong shrinks to the small size and goes into the background, like it's it's almost hard to see on the Excel. Well, isn't it just basically when it? I, I mean, I'm I, if I've ever had to deal with anything like this, I don't recall it. But isn't it basically then you're just making an educated guess? on when to time your button presses to, to accomplish whatever you're accomplishing there in the background. Uh, a little bit. There's a little bit of that. It's, it's trial and error, but if I can't see when I should start the initial trial and error, then <laughs> I'm going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, you have, in my mind, you have the correct attitude about you know mobile games in that you're not always going to get what you get when you're on a X-size monitor or TV or whatever. Um, you know. But there are some things. I guess it's like one game I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. You know, there are some things that just they, they take away from the experience. They make the experience more frustrating in such a way that, that it shouldn't just have been, it shouldn't have been there. Um, do you guys think... And I'll start with you, Glace. Do you think there's some way they could have worked around it without a ton of work? I mean, honestly, the only way is if they had zoomed in more on your character. But if you do that, then you ruin the whole like way that they have the levels designed. 
Yeah, you lose that real estate. I would agree. Yeah. So I honestly, I don't think they should even they shouldn't have ported it to the 3DS in the first place. Maybe to the XL when that came out, but it just it doesn't work on 3DS visually. Yeah, the 3D looks great. Like the cutscenes and the levels look great, but as soon as I'm moving I'm moving around, I just have no idea what's going on. So it looks really beautiful, but it's 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 like a it's like a gorgeous painting with a broken frame. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. Not. Have you ever seen the Mona Lisa in real life? Can't say I have. Can't say that I have. Haven't haven't well, been how, to Paris yet. How big yet. do you imagine the Mona Lisa? Oh man, uh, I don't know. I'm th- I'm thinking in turn. I'm gonna say like. Uh, 24 inches tall by maybe 18 wide. It's a little taller than it is wide, if I recall correctly. And it's by little, the way, for audience, bit, okay, what for the audience at home? I'm not like I haven't got jumped on Google and and I'm trying to look at a detailed picture of it. I'm just sitting here with my head back in my desk chair, picturing it in my head. So, like I said, I'm gonna say like two feet tall by by 18 inches wide ish. It's a little bit bigger than your average notebook paper. That's just fucking my yeah. See, I mean, yeah. That's that, I guess the Mona Lisa itself is an interesting way to compare it, just because it's a lot smaller than you think it is. Yeah, my analogies. But well, I mean that you know that actually works with people too because I've noticed like certain actors, and I'm not gonna say they all do it on purpose, but I bet some do that are of shorter stature never stand next to tall people. And I'm not talking Tom Cruise; he's a midget, but uh, uh, like. There's some actors who I always thought for years were a lot taller, and then you come to find out what one way or another that they're actually not. <laughs> they're actually, you know, a little smaller than you thought. Um, and and that you know perspective, not perspective in one sense, but in the sense of you need a good perspective and a good angle to play any video game. I think you're right. I think they must have ported it, knowing, hoping people. Well, actually, guys, if you think about it, a lot of people are going to end up buying Beyond Two Souls because it's so beautiful and so many polygons. Yep. Uh, maybe that's the key to Donkey Kong Country Returns, the, the fact that it's just so pretty. I think you're right, though. I don't think it should have ever been ported if it has those issues. I mean, if it's even causing John a little bit of trouble on the XL. Yeah, I mean, I'm a person that has relatively good eyesight, even though I have glasses on. You know, I can't imagine anyone that has any eyesight problems even trying to play. <laughs> I mean, or, you know, little kids go freaking blind playing this. It's like you're squinting at someone across the ocean, you know. Anything else? Or was it just ga- games in the car? Nope, just car games. That's pretty much it. Played Minesweeper too, but I don't know if you guys want me to go into that. <laughs> on, on what's, which... your, what's, what's your hot pro uh, Minesweeper strategy? Minesweeper strategy? Mm-hmm. You just right-click and make little flags show up when there's a diagonal thing. I, I don't know how to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the concept of Minesweeper. My strategy with it back <laughs> in the day was speed. Like, I didn't care how many times I failed. It was how fast could I get, or no, how far could I get going, like, super fast. Because I know there's people, 
of Rain Man esque talents that can just literally dominate Minesweeper. I've seen it. It's probably really sad admitting I've watched the playthrough of Minesweeper, but I have. Because watching somebody that truly understands how those boards are built, it's pretty impressive. But my strategy with Minesweeper was always how far can I get and how fast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Back in the early Windows era, I was always more of a solitaire guy by anyway. <laughs> there we go. Okay, my best time is 15 seconds. To clear a board? Yeah. That's size board. impressive. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I guess that's 81. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Oh no, I sense a geometry. Minesweeper Savant, watch out. I, <laughs> I, no, I sense a geometry war is like <laughs> from John, like he's gonna go tomorrow and on the weekend and try and beat Glacinator's fifteen second eighty one size board minesweeper. And next week all we're here is I didn't have time for those other video games I was playing Minesweeper. Yeah, Peter had to wait, I had to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, the oh the young boy the young child in his house may uh derail that minesweeper only plan i would suspect uh speaking of that john what have you been playing this week uh well, speaking of of uh games with peter that's been most of my week actually um i've been playing some wind waker hd with him you know still enjoying that we just finished the the forest temple um the forbidden forest and uh yeah you know just playing through it again <laughs> and he's very content to do so so it, that's all right as well but uh, a couple of new things, well, yeah, I guess kind of new things I haven't talked about in the show. Um, since it's 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 getting close to Halloween, um, I decided I wanted to play some costume quest with with Peter. And uh, yeah, it, it's, and if if anyone out there doesn't know what it is, it's a it's a very light RPG put out by Double Fine, and it's it takes place at Halloween. You're you're you know, you can choose if you're the brother or the sister. And I, we, we chose the boy. And you have to save your sister, in, in our case, from these goblins who come to town and try to... T- and tr- they're on a mission to, st- to steal all the candy in town. And you have to, you know, stop them. And what's cool and cute about it is that you go into these battles, you know, like you, wa- you walk around with your, your little party of friends and you go up against... You start knocking on doors and... and out comes you know a monster who is who's in who's inside stealing the candy and you fight him, but it switches to this whole, uh, you know, I won't call it Final Fantasy style so much. Well, it kind of is, I guess. But your your all your characters in whatever costume you're in become these giant, like if you're in the robot costume, you turn to a giant mech warrior. If you if you are dressed as the Statue of Liberty, you're a giant Statue of Liberty who shoots like patriotic things. <laughs> I, I know there's a whole uh, anthem that. Uh, that that she sings and which heals the team. There's the the um, the giant, you know, the knight who turn, you know, you dressed up with the sword and shield. You turn into this big, you know, super knight and he puts down a, a shield spell which which protects other players and stuff. And it's it's very light, uh, though it is very repetitive in his gameplay style. Uh, but for Peter, he doesn't care. It, you know, it's he can predict it. He can say he wants this to happen or him to fight or whatever it is and he, and he and he just loves it he jumps around and does all the actions imitates them so and plus it's the trick-or-treating and he's he's super ready for halloween this year like last year he really you know he didn't quite get it but this year he's 
he's big time into it. He's asking to be a, a scarecrow. I kind of thought he was going to ask to be Link uh, for Halloween, considering how much he enjoys it, the Wind Waker. But, uh, well, you know, a scarecrow was good too. Uh, yeah, so Costume Quest, you know, the, the, the bigger thing I guess I wanted to talk about is that we're playing it on Steam. Um, and we're playing it on the on the big television, so we're playing it in big picture mode. And I have to admit that uh, since the, my, you know, my first experience with big picture, big picture mode, uh, it seems like it's a lot more stable, a lot more uh, straightforward. Like not that it was very complex, but it just seems there's a lot less tweaking, there's a lot less uh, updating. Like, not, like the first, I remember the first couple times I tried it out, just to, just to say I did. Like I had to update Steam and it was having difficulty loading stuff and like if um, if there was an update to a game, like I had to go back to the Steam uh, regular menu, you know, like the the regular Steam interface, and then go back into the big picture. But none of that stuff happened this time. Costume Quest loaded up, it updated, it put in the DirectX uh, update, and it just boom, just you know, it took a little while to load and stuff because it was doing an update, but as soon as it did. Like full controller support, just you know, just like playing a console, I can press the X. I'm using my Xbox Wire controller. Press the Xbox button, up comes, you know, the the big picture uh, interface. I can go through the forums. I can I can look at my friends. I can look at the achievements. Like it's all it's all there. Like, and I, I have to assume this is what we're going to see with a steam with a steam machine when it comes so, or something very similar um, to it. So. I have to admit that you know if if they can make you know all Steam games that easy for me to manage and you know I have no problem with a, a Steam machine you know if, if I you know because I got Costume Quest as a gift um, but I know it's not it's you know at this point it's I, I think it's relatively inexpensive there's lots of games that are inexpensive and they have controller support that's not bad like I, I could see keeping my computer hooked up to my television right now. If, for a while, I just no reason not to, right? Um, and then finally, oh no, not, not finally, but uh, I decided to show Peter uh, Little Big Planet for the first time, and because we were kind of, it was the weekend and it was raining and boring, and 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 yeah, Wanda suggested it just as something new, and uh, yeah, he, th- he thought that was pretty cool as well. Um, we only played the first couple of levels, and I'm not going to go into the Little Big Planet again, but. It's um, what was neat about it. I thought was that we picked up a couple of random players who joined in with us right away, and um, the, there was four of us playing. So you know, that's three online players, bang, 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 and they were all very, you know, they were good players. No, no one was being a dick. They're, you know, helping each other get through the level, especially the first guy we met up with, because we played two two players at first, then we played four, and he was helping. Because I was a bit rusty, I guess, and and um, I wanted to show it to Peter, but he was helping us along and stuff. Like it was very nice. All I was missing was the voice chat, because you know, in in Little Big Planet, all you really have is is text chat and a bit of you know, you can make uh, Sackboy uh, gesture a bit, like you make a point here and there where you want to go and stuff. So, so, you know, the communication is a little bit slow, but it's but it's pretty good. Um, yeah, that was fun. But the, but the main thing I was going to just mention, and I won't go into each of these games because it, it'll take forever, but I had some, I had some friends over to the house uh, this past weekend as well, including our, our buddy Roger. And we played, um, it was three friends and I, and we 
kind of had a a four player co op night or a four player uh, competitive night, uh, whatever the case may be on on my various consoles. So um, we played the games that we played were Nintendo Land, uh, Rayman Legends, Castle Crashers, Marvel vs. Capcom two for a bit, and WWE twelve to finish off the night. Uh, uh, and so. I started off with Nintendo Land, and as much as that game is is very much kid oriented, it really I did find that uh, it got some great guffaws from the, from the boys. Uh, just getting into the into the into the into the couch co op, uh, you know, multiplayer kind of fun uh, that goes along with it. It's, it's so simple; it gets you right, you know, it brings you right in. So it was, it was my first opportunity to play four player Nintendo Land. And uh, yeah, we really really enjoyed it. We played we played the Mario Chase game, and we played the Zelda game, and and uh, I think that was it. But you know, the guys really liked it. You know, it was it was fun stuff. Rayman Legends four player was very chaotic. I I, I quickly found out it was, again that was my first time to play four player of that. Um, you know, there was a lot of griefing going on. Roger liked punching the shit out of out of the other guys. <laughs> I think, and uh, we got through the, as I mentioned, uh, the Murphy holding, actually taking the gamepad and interacting with the environment was definitely the big hit of that. Actually, any any time in any in either game, Nintendo Land or Rayman Legends, where uh, the the person who was who was using the gamepad to do stuff, uh, they did find that to be the most fun of 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 that particular game, because um, you know the other stuff is pretty standard fare, but. You know, when you get the gamepad, it is something fresh and new, and people kind of get it once the, once they hold it and do it. And uh, that's the kind of thing that Nintendo should try to take advantage of. I think is is more more gamepad stuff that does interesting things rather than just being a simple D-pad that's got a screen in the middle. Um, yeah, Castle Crashers was was is always fun, though we kind of hit a roadblock trying to beat one of the bosses, and we get, so we quit that. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 uh, is actually my first per- is Peter's first purchase. Uh, one time when it was on sale and on the and on the main page of the of Xbox Live, he just got a controller instead of hitting A over and over and ended up buying it for me. And I I've honestly never played it. Uh, I did play it a little bit in the arcade, and I I wasn't a very good player at that point either. But but when we got it here, I was I was quizzing my friend Brent about what the hell buttons I was supposed to press and and. And, and baffled that up was jump and was <laughs> was driving me crazy because I was trying to do blocks and uh, and jump and I kept on jumping so I don't know maybe, maybe an arcade stick is better for that stuff and then WWE 12 uh, was fun for a bit we played the a 40 man Royal Rumble because uh, we figured within two minutes we, we decided that we were, we were we were good enough to play so we played a 40 man Rumble and we lost pretty poorly. Um, yeah, I think Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, won that. And uh, no, no, he didn't win that because Brent was him. Who, who the hell won it? I can't remember. But anyway, we yeah, some people got frustrated and quit out and didn't get back in. I played it to the end, and and uh, like that game's okay, but I don't think the the actual mechanics of the wrestling is that are that great. It's just, it's not straightforward enough. Um, trying to yeah, you know, and the counters are difficult to do and stuff. So it's an okay game, but not great. I don't know if it improved with, with 13, and of course 14 is coming out this fall. So I hope they fine tune that a bit. I'm interested in 14, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. 
And that is what I've been playing. Only a couple things for you this week on my end. Um, the first thing is I finally sat down um, and fired up my 360 and finished um, Call of Juarez uh, Gunslinger. Uh, it, I liked it. I liked the story, even though I kind of figured out what was going on rather early on. Um, like the old West weapons, like the break from, you know, uh, your standard first person shooter weapon set, whether they be alien esque or modern. Uh, my, I, I have the same bitches about it that I did the last time I talked about it, which was months ago. Um, in that the dueling system is rather touchy and rather, well, let me put it like this. Both Red Dead Redemption, this one, and a couple others I can think of from years back, none of them have developed a, a method for quick-draw duels or quick-draw shootouts uh, that work all that well. Uh, now, granted, you can bypass that by going the quote-unquote dishonored route or whatever you'd like to call it and just drawing and shooting your opponent so that you can move on to the next stage. But... Um, Beyond that, the, the, some of the set pieces and level designs, much like I complained about in the uh, Bioshock Infinite spoiler cast, were a little bit tight or too tight. And then how your enemies spawned in upon you was a little bit uh, was 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 a little bit over the top. Let's call it. I'm sick of using the word cheap that gets misused, including by me, uh, a lot. Uh, but like everything else in it, though, from the storyline to the sequences where you kind of lead up to the boss battles or the end of the level is uh, totally reminded me of Red Dead Redemption and totally reminded me of parts of Assassin's Creed 3. You know, because although I may have sounded less than enthusiastic about Assassin's Creed 3 for some of its problems and some of the modern stuff uh, running around in the wilderness in the eastern United States uh, you know with the with the kind of weapon set and, and scenery that you had was really awesome and a lot of fun and I felt the same way about Call of War as Gunslinger um, I'm not 100% sure I would want to tell you to go purchase it for full price which I do believe it was a $15 game but it's definitely worth you know, picking it up on sale. Um, the other thing, too, is I'm still playing a lot of Minecraft with the Feed the Beast mod. And while I was starting to wear out on it a little bit, and as Glacinator has talked about, you know, there's a few bugs in it, which um, you could say that's a mod or that, you know, mods, mods are always a little suspect. Well, that's absolutely true. Uh, you know, before mods became hacks and hacks became something that they're not, uh, <laughs> mods were always kind of touchy. They're usually being made by people who aren't involved with the video game they're attached to. But the one thing that this mod has done that will make or that will keep me interested in continuing to play it, and there are certain devices you can create that with minimal effort and minimal input after you create them, you can successfully breathe underwater and you can successfully see really well underwater. Two things that I have talked about probably too many times 
that I felt should be in vanilla Minecraft. Some kind of method to do both of those. Uh, the sea underwater part wasn't really so critical uh, as some kind of underwater breathing device, although Minecraft has always been extremely dark underwater, and even, even in situations where technically, if you were in the real world, light should penetrate. But I won't say that it makes the game worth playing for like another year solid but by itself but just being able to go underwater at your leisure and not have to worry about air bubbles and all this other stuff that normal vanilla minecraft has in it makes that mod so so much fun um obviously i'm thinking in the future that i will build an underwater city and you know truthfully everything that's packed into those mods it just it's it's a tinkerer and a builder's dream come true. And and as I've said for the past three weeks, the the other great thing about it is if you just want to play standard vanilla Minecraft, you can do that. The good news is is all except in all maybe two cases. All the new woods, shrubs, other things that are are involved just in building. Uh, a few different kinds of rock, uh, like like quarried stone, which looks a lot like marble. You can just go play vanilla Minecraft and never touch any of the machines and all that stuff. Um, the machines are hell of a lot of fun. You can get up to some pretty ridiculous stuff. But other than that, it's pretty much been the same old, same old. Either I'm going to finally kick down and buy GTA Five, or maybe get into a shooter this fall. Until then, it's just going to be MMOs and cleaning up XBLA games for me. Uh, potentially some Steam games. Um, so that's all I've been playing. Yeah, John, uh, you know, I should have... When you and Peter really started getting into playing together as father and son, mm -hmm. Costume Quest should have been a natural fit, even maybe when he wasn't as into it. Yeah, like I, I, I had forgotten about it a little bit, actually, I and I didn't really think that it was... Um, like, it was E for everybody, as I, as I found out when I, I was looking through my Steam library, so... Yeah, you know, it's it's a good fit. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that that's kind of the thing. It's still got that double fine stamp of odd humor. Mm -hmm. But unlike Psychonauts, to a certain extent, it would go over most children his age's head. Oh yeah, yeah and it's sure. not as pronounced and possibly as adult as Psychonauts is. And Psychonauts, mm. truthfully, was not really a kid's game. It no, came no. out in a time when video <laughs> games were considered kid all all considered kids' games. But I I, I see Costume Quest as kind of uh, as kind of a, a building block. You know, they took what they learned from Psychonauts, the kind of neat little twisted sensibilities of Psychonauts, and then kind of made it more everybody friendly. Yeah, it's still definitely got some humor in it that is going to make anybody laugh. It helps if you have a little bit of a twisted sense of humor. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, Costume Quest. What the hell was that other one? There's another one in my Steam library I've been playing, and no, it's not the Naked Midget game. Um, that I The ones you said Costume Quest I thought would be great maybe for him and you to try, and I think you have it. I'll have to look through my Steam library. Because I played a couple last Christmas that I bought on a whim. Costume Quest being one of them that that I thought was pretty much everybody friendly. I wasn't necessarily specifically thinking of in terms of kids. Yeah. Uh, but but pretty much everybody friendly. 
Okay, let's move on. Um, I saw this, and I thought, hmm, if the week of news turns to shit, maybe we'll do this. I'll come back to it later. Well, John also found it. And and so the week of news did pretty much turn into shit. So I, uh, unless you want to hear about how people are complaining about Battlefield 4, beta, I think we've done that fucking shit enough times with betas, <laughs> so, you know, it kind of leaves us limited to not be covering the same shit over and over again. People are so stupid, they have the same reactions over and over again. Um, but anyways, this is a little news piece that came out earlier this week. Uh, basically, it's saying that Nintendo will allow crossplay for pure chess, uh, developer Ripstone said. What pure chess is, is pretty much what it sounds like. It's a chess game, but it's out on... Uh, the PS3, 3DS, iOS, and Android. Now, to set the PS3 aside for a sec, because that doesn't really particularly factor in as of yet, but right now it appears that players playing on the Wii U can play with folks on 3DS, which is no surprise, and iOS and Android, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, apparently Nintendo does have this podcast bugged and is going out of its way to prove me wrong two weeks in a row. Or attempt to, anyway. Uh, so, I, I take it, John, that, that is this one of those you're seeing a ray of light in a very dark tum- tunnel, or is it more than that? Uh, I, I think it's a sign that Nintendo is starting to open up a little bit. I mean, they're historically, they're a pretty closed company. You know, they've often talked about, or, or kind of downplayed the importance of mo- mobile games and stuff. And the fact that they're they're willing to open up uh, a game to allow you know, cross-play, uh, even in something as basic as chess, uh, it, I think that's a major step. Um, and a good sign, for, and hopefully for the future, in terms of what they're willing to uh, do. You know, I, I, have to, I have to presume that the, that the cross-play, the article doesn't really say what it is, but I would, I would have to imagine it's kind of like um, multiplayer, but oh, I can't remember... The, I can't remember the word it's used for, but like words with friends, where I take a turn and it sends it to you, and then you can look at the board and make play your turn. It's not, it's like you don't have to play in real time, but you can take your turn whenever you want, kind of stuff. I would say that's kind of what it is. And, um, but it, you know, that's great. I mean, to me, like, you know, that they're just opening up the door for more opportunities to in other games. If they want to, if they want to focus on smaller games on, on Wii U and 3DS that couldn't work with iOS. Great, you know, like why not? I mean, it's there's money to be made in, on those kinds of games, so and more games to play is only better. Well, I have to say that iOS and Android coming to an uneasy esque truce probably made this slightly easier because it got to the point where people started taking Android more seriously. So things like Words with Friends, Draw Something, um, other turn-based games like that. Mm-hmm you know, started being able to cross. And, I mean, because I played Words with Friends for a little bit, and I was playing with, you know, against my mother who was on PC and against a few people who were on iPhone and against a few others who were on Android. And then when we kind of got into Draw Something there for a while, I was playing it on my my old uh, jailbroke nerfed iPhone, and then it came out for Android, and I was able to continue playing until I gave up. 
uh, mostly with Patman and his lovely ninja wife, uh, on Android. So I, I I think mobile has had a big big impact on on how some of these people are playing or are developing their strategy. Nintendo just happens to be the most surprising. Glacinator, uh, mm-hmm. as somebody who's been <laughs> less than enthused with Nintendo, I won't call him a, you a critic. <laughs> although, although, although you've had your fair share of doubts with them in this pet in this year, what do you think of this? Uh, I, mean, I think it's a good step in the right direction, but it's hardly enough to get me enthused for the future. If you catch my drift there, I do. But but don't you think that? I mean, you know, I'm sure, and I didn't really scroll down to the comments because I need the brain cells, but um. You know, chess is so basic and so non-hardcore uh, that you have to make a first step, don't you think, at least? I mean, isn't that kind of what this is? Yeah, I mean, small beginnings, sure, but there's always still a possibility that this doesn't go anywhere at all. So, And I feel, if anything, that's more likely at this point. I mean, the biggest likely thing is that this is this is a way for Nintendo to to give it a try. It's true, a way. It's it, it's 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 you know it's not their own game. It's it's not uh, a lot of resources going into it. It's you know it's it's a third party developer who's going to do the do the heavy lifting, and 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 they can make it work. And but if it if it if it translates into I mean it's not going to be a system seller no, but if it translates into sales on the on the system. I mean, it, it, it's only a win for them, especially if the, if the if the pricing is right for the game. Like, man, I don't I don't know how it'll compare to to the pricing on iOS and Android. I mean, usually any games that are on both systems tend to be more expensive on on the Nintendo system. But it'll be interesting to see if they start, you know, having competitive pricing as well. I just wanted on record that it wasn't me that had the contrarian but realistic opinion. For once, I might have been thinking it, but Glacier pretty much said it. Um, and and he's right. I what I will find amusing now. Now let me back up completely. I'm gonna stop mumbling and mumbling and back up completely. If this was Sony or Microsoft, I'd be laughing. Uh, and probably with the tact on this story, would be making fun of it. Since it's Nintendo. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm like Glace. I'm leery and hesitant in that this is just going to be one lame attempt and then go see, we tried it and it didn't work. Self-fulfilling prophecy type thing. But I still have a little bit of hope that maybe Nintendo is finally realizing that their little in-house box and in-house games alone are not going to do it. You know, because one thing that in the Nintendo debate that we've kind of had a running string up here for the last couple months, you know, we've talked about over and over again how every time EA or Ubisoft said they're not publishing something for for the Wii U, we kind of said, well, who gives a fuck? You didn't for the Wii either. I wonder now if maybe Nintendo fell into that mindset of, you know, we sold millions of Wii's without too much third party, maybe we don't need it. 
You know, I I mean it's 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 as likely as any other thing. Mm-hmm. Also, too, I mean, I you, you know, I we've kind of talked about, and I don't remember which one of you it was that you know, Jap, it's a Japanese company that are a little more conservative. Blah 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 blah. No, that's just Nintendo because you have to stop and contemplate the fact that Sony also is. And they're right there, you know, headbutting Microsoft and micro while Microsoft's headbutting them. So, as our resident, we as our resident Nintendo owns every piece of equipment they make currently. John, you'll have to keep an eye on this and see if there's more. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I only want to see it succeed. So you know, the more the the more the better. Well, and, and and I mean, my final position is, is uh, and I get so sick and tired of it sometimes, that, you know, the first step has to be taken in changing something. And too often we just ridicule and criticize any time a change is made or a first step is taken without sitting back and watching to see where it goes. Um, as much as I'm kind of like Glacinator in my thinking at the moment, I'm still willing to see where this goes. What other games could be, you know. Mm-hmm. Because you really think about it. Games we mentioned two minutes ago, even though they may not be in the height of their popularity, are entirely possible as well. Let's move on. Um, next story. One of my favorite kick toys that I can't decide whether I'm going to kick them some more or just come up with something else. Ubisoft delays two next-gen titles. No, it's not Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. Yeah, we're doing another one. And no, it's not South Park, The Stick of Truth, which they got from the THQ fire sale. It's Watch Dogs and the racing MMO or multiplayer-oriented racing game, The Crew, both of which... No, not both, excuse me. Watch Dogs was pushed back until spring 2014, and The Crew was pushed back until mid-2014. Um, there's a crap ton of tap dancing, waffle dancing, and, and uh, uh, reasons <laughs> given by Ubisoft, but... It's one of those stories that begs the question. John, let's start with you. What's going on here? Uh, what's going on? Why are they, why are they delaying this stuff? Uh, I, I, I mean, it, it's amazing that Watch Dogs, uh, of, of all the games that are that are next gen to delay, I mean that that's probably the one that has had the most the most exposure. Uh, I mean, I think there was even Watchdog trailers in theaters and stuff. This the the hype machine has been so high. I, it it kind of, of flabbergasts me a bit that they're not ready to deliver on launch. Uh, there must be some there must be some real problems going on. I I would have to imagine. Would you? Well, no, nothing. Stockholders seem to think so because THQ or THQ shit. Ubisoft shares drop twenty percent the next day. Oof. Oh, well, man. I think it's time some CEOs took uh, name redacted number one and a few others out behind the barn and beat them with sticks. The <laughs> editors at Forbes would, Forbes Tech would be a good start, as well as name redacted one. Any other name redactors are people that piss me off. If you CEOs are going to get together and take them behind the barn and keep making 
or to keep them from making your stock go like a fucking yo-yo on something they barely understand, by all means, I'll be able to. I'd be happy to email you a list. I wonder if that counts as terrorist threats. Guess I'm gonna find out. Uh, yeah, Glacinator. What are <laughs> your thoughts on this? Um, I have a theory on this. Um, dun dun dun. Sorry, head. Yes, a theory. Yes, Ooh. and. I was looking into getting Watch Dogs or earlier this year, especially when it was announced, whenever the heck that was. Was that announced at last E3? Originally? Yes, yes. Yeah, so it had to been... be because you didn't watch anything from this E3, so it had to be yeah. last year's. Yeah, it had to be last year's. So it's been, like you said, in the hype machine for a while now. And I was considering buying it this holiday season. I wasn't. I'm, I haven't been playing to buy that many comp, that game that many games this holiday season. And I ended up getting GTA. And now that I have Grand Theft Auto, I don't, I personally don't really feel the need to get Watch Dogs. I mean, they're completely different experiences. I totally understand that uh, Watch Dogs being more, you know, stealth oriented. But I mean, they're both more or less open world city games, you know, for the most part. So. I feel like I don't really need to play Watch Dogs immediately as much as I had wanted to play it before I got GTA. And I think that with the huge sales that GTA got, I, I mean, Ubisoft had to, have, had, had to have expected that GTA was going to sell you know, crazy, like it always does. But I don't know. Just personally, after getting GTA, I, I really have no urge to go out and get Watch Dogs. And so I think that maybe... GTA doing so well might be why they're pushing it back, just so that it's not lost in the holiday season this season if that makes any sense the theory makes sense the thing is is this is from everything i've read up on it because like you i wanted to buy it this Mm -hmm. game is different enough from gta and saints row that it should have been able to stand on its own oh i'm not denying that's different i just don't i felt a strange urge to not have to get it now that i had gta um, so. I think that theory is possible, or probable, whichever you prefer. There's probably in-house issues as well that contributed to it, I'm sure. Well, but. that's, you know, that thought had not crossed my mind, and I like it. My thought was, is they showed us the same trailer or presentation at least twice. Now, I'm getting <laughs> confused as to whether... Watch Dogs was at the last E3 or maybe later on at another set of shows. I want to say it, it was definitely at the game, at the um, uh, um, video game awards and at E3, I think. Well, I know I didn't watch it at the VGAs because somebody would have to be actively holding a bazooka or a cruise missile <laughs> to my head to make me watch the VGAs, uh, which should be. Pretty much, I shouldn't even have to say that anymore as much as I've thrashed that fucking joke. Uh, But I was suspect with the, the trailers that were coming out and how much they felt similar. Now, you can sit there and get all bent out of shape over pre rendered versus live action and yada, 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 yada. Um, And that's fair enough, but I'm wondering if maybe it wasn't as ready to go as. Ubisoft's higher-ups would like it to have been. And so they kept the, you know, they kept delaying the inevitable, delaying the inevitable, and finally they came to the point where there was a choice between 
shitting out a half-broken game that's really going to tank on them and have people mad at them long-term, think I'm joking, go look at Mass Effect 3, or delay it, make some people mad in the short term, and hopefully, <laughs> that hopefully is in bolded and underlined quotes, get uh, a game out the door that's far better product and will make a lot of people happy. I say that that's bolded and underlined or whatever because, you know. <laughs> yeah, they said that, Gearbox said that about Duke Nukem and Aliens and Colonial Marines. We saw how well that worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, I mean, I don't know that much about it. I'm the kind of MMO multiplayer nut, and I, and I like racing games, but I kind of like my racing games solo. I played Forza 2 once online and realized that that was an utter waste of my time for my (laughs) purposes the other question because drive club is rumored now to be delayed although sony won't cough up any news is this going to have any impact on the console launch of orama uh glacinator oh i haven't thought about that because i mean Watched was Watch Dogs a. It's coming out for PS4, right? It was, it was uh, all, all systems. Yeah, pretty much multi-platform. Except okay. maybe Wii U. Uh, yeah, I mean, it might deter some people from, or not deter them, but they'll they'll feel like holding off if they really did want Watch Dogs on PS4. They're they might not feel as obligated to get it as quick, you know. But in terms of like long scale. I don't see it being that big of an issue. So, John, uh, I don't think it's going to affect the people who've already got the thing pre-ordered. The pre-orders are in. The you know this this the the, uh, the stage is set. The problem is, it's it's now two two less games that are going to be on on these consoles. Um, and we've already talked about how it seemed a little bit lackluster. In terms of the the number of games and the content, so you know it's it's kind of too bad. You know, I hope I hope there are other things in the kitty ready ready to come out uh, that haven't been announced yet. Though I, I find that uh, so I would find that surprising if that was the case a little bit. Yeah, I think that's wishful thinking on your part. Mm. <laughs> I hate saying that to you, but uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to keep the lemmings, the hardcore, the ones that are having the PS4 is better than. Xbox One fights on Reddit and, and gaming sites everywhere from buying the console. But it makes me less interested, especially when you consider the fact that it, it was it is due to be released on Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Wii U, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. Well, there's one less reason for me to buy a fucking next-gen console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it might. The people who are on the fence about it, it, it might make them wait a bit. Maybe. Yeah, it's but still making me not in a big hurry. Somebody gets me one of them <laughs> as a gift. I, I, I mean, but I'm finding even less reasons. You know, Watch Dogs was one to to that. If I had the cash available, might have swayed me to get one. Mm-hmm. But now, no. Back to not caring. And it's highly likely that I would have gotten it 
for 360 and been quite happy because I'm not that hard to please in the graphics department. Mm. I mean, do, do you think that could be a, any part of it? About if, I mean, it's on a lot of platforms uh, of of different, you know, like uh, would making ports so many ports be a problem? I don't know. Well, according to Wiki, um, it was announced at the E3 press conference in 2012. Mm -hmm. The X of the equation, the unknown for us, is how far along were they in development of the Xbox One and the PS4 at that time, say May, June of 2012. Yeah. Meaning, was it initially built running on the the non-x86 architecture because that's the thing we don't know about some of these games that are that are crossing over both sides of the fence like battlefield 4 is going to um you know where they initially built on the old architecture and now they had to be made to fit on the new architecture that may that may that may make your choice a lot easier. You yeah. know, I mean, let me ask you that, Glace. I don't have any clue, and 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 it's it's not really relevant. If you were going to buy Battlefield Four or Watch Dogs, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. would would the system it was initially developed for would that information change your choice? Would it even matter to you? Uh, I, I think it, I think it does. Um, I mean, if it's originally de originally developed for last generation, I'm probably going to feel better buying it for the previous generation if it's cheaper. If it's the same price and I have both generations, why not get the new one? But if for some reason it's a less expensive to get it older and that's what it's built for, I'm not going to feel bad. No, because I've never been a graphics whore, so it's not that big of a deal to me if the only difference is really just graphical performance so. what an art student who's not a graphics horror running out of town on the rail um that <laughs> mental note for those of you that think i'm serious that's why we fucking like him one of the many reasons uh he can see the forest for the trees unlike name redacted too uh anyway uh, yeah i I guess if I had both, it would just depend. Especially multiplayer one. Maybe Battlefield, throwing Battlefield 4 in is a bad example because, again, kind of like the crossplay thing, you want to play with your friends. You know, so, I mean, literally, before any of this, before I knew any of you guys, what made me buy an Xbox 360 over a PS3 or what was a majority or a major part of the decision was the fact that when I went and looked at the forums I was a member of at the time, a majority of my friends had Xbox 360s. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to play Call of Duty with them, so, you know, there we go. I've got the money, and I, I mean, I, I admit, the day I walked into Best Buy to, to get one, um, you know, the price factor, to a certain extent, but, but truthfully, it was far more about who's got what than, you know. Be interesting to see uh, what this does. I don't think there's going to be any way to ferret out whether or not it affected actual uh, console launch sales. They're all going to be lying out their ass anyway, and MPD plays with the numbers so tight that they can lie out their ass, and it's going to be really hard for us to figure it out. 
or mm-hmm. supposed professional game journalist. Um, next one, and one we had to do a little bit of <laughs> total recall on, both on my part and everybody else's. Uh, Project Spark, that neat little creator app slash game that was shown at E3, is not going to require a gold-level Xbox Live subscription to play. And for those of you that don't know, when we briefly talked about it during E3, uh, it's also going to be on PC, obviously. Um, well, maybe not, obviously. Uh, the beta program for that is supposed to start sometime this month. Um, after having watched that video, John, and finding out it's free, at least, well, we'll get to that. And, you know, Peter's ever-increasing fascination with games. Uh, does this pique your interest more than possibly before tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think the uh, the fact that anybody could play it, you don't have to have a gold account to, to do it, is, you know, as far as my willingness to really give it a try and, and, and be confident that, that Microsoft is serious about it, um, I think it adds to that. Uh, with, with Peter, you know, being able to have a, a sandbox like that and just play around, you know, watching that video, I don't know whether it'll be too complicated or what, you know, but, but maybe by the time that we get, if we ever get an Xbox One, it will be just fine. Although they were talking about it on any screen, so I don't, I don't know. But, but you know, I, like before tonight, I had no idea what it was, and seeing what it is kind of makes me more, more interested. But that, yeah. Definitely that it's that it's free or to, to anybody to play. Well, yeah, it's not free. It's available to everybody, right? Yeah, I don't know. They're kind of a little bit aloof on it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, then the short answer is yes. <laughs> it does make me more interested in it. Glacinator is somebody who I thought was interested in it, then found out it wasn't, and then well, I forced to watch a video about it uh, while, we <laughs> held the, while we held the bazooka to your head. Loaded with a cruise missile. Uh, yeah, that's right. We have that technology. Skype, Microsoft buying Skype has some advantages. Um, what do you think of all this? Um, well, when I was younger, I was really interested in level design, and that's why I started college in computer science. I since changed that, but any game that has these world builders I'm always very interested in, even though that's not necessarily what I want to do as a job anymore, but I do like making maps. So I think it goes back to when I was younger, I liked to play with trains. I don't, I don't know why, but just moving things around from above. So it looks, it looks cool. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And and now we'll get into the second part. You know, they say you don't need a go- Xbox Live Gold s- subscription to play. Let's just go right back to you, Glaze. Do you think this is going to be freemium, meaning free to get, but then microtransactions for the really cool shit, or is there going to be a price tag? There's definitely going to be something that requires you to pay some sort of fee to do something. So whether it's, oh, if you pay 50 Microsoft points, you can get a cool, fancy hat. Or if it's, you know, pay Microsoft points to exchange levels or to download levels. So there, there'll be something, I guarantee you. John? Yeah, that, that, if it's, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, whether that's texture packs or whatever, you know, you can add more stuff. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. 
is uh, is this just? And this is more of a cl- question for Glacinator. Is this just more a, a, an extension of the whole Minecraft and clones and other things craze to you? Um, it doesn't really look that similar to it. I mean, because I mean, was there crafting in the video? No. Yeah. I mean, it's open world, I understand that, but what makes Minecraft Minecraft is the crafting system itself. At least to me. This is this is just a world builder game. So at least that's more, how I see it. Some more something along the lines of Populous and, and other games that were probably yeah. before you were yeah, born. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Yeah, like we were saying in the, in the, in the pre-show uh, chat, it, it definitely has a bit of a little little big planet vibe in there, and uh, and, and like I said, the Mod Nation racers being able to terraform a bit and and do some interesting things, um, though definitely with a little more of an action adventure spin, you know, to get to get you a little more involved. <clears throat> I know what it reminded me of too. Now that we've been sitting here talking about it and we watched the video uh, from E3, uh, it kind of feels it has the color palette lighting effects and kind of feel of um, or the second Overlord game. Yeah, it definitely does look that kind of fantasy worldish, yeah. Which which intrigues me. And I mean, from my perspective, and then I'll ask Lace about this, from my perspective, a different take on world building not that's not Minecraftian uh, is something I'd be willing to, to give a shot. Maybe if there's a demo or it's free and I could buy parts as I go. Um, how about you, Glaze? Is that is that are you kind of feeling that same way? Anything world builder is at least going to grab your attention a little bit. Yeah, at least a little bit. Just because I like I like screwing with things, you know. That's the artsy side of me coming out and see what weird stuff I can come up with. Yeah, you probably better not play on that modded server. We'll never see you again. Because um, I'm having a hard time pulling myself out of it sometimes to do things that, you know, don't involve video games. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the and the funny thing is, is and, and this is heresy in gamer circles, I'm fully aware of this, playing that MMO Age of Conan, it's free. I mean, you could pay for a subscription and get a few perks that, although I've, there's been attempts to convince me it's worth it, I don't think so. But some of the stuff they lock away isn't that backbreaking if you if you play the microtransaction game. So if done right, if the carrot and stick is correctly handled, I'm not that upset by microtransactions. Because you're allowed to pick and choose what you want. And in the case of Age of Conan, you know, there's nothing in there that instantly warps you to the highest level and you can beat the crap out of anybody you want kind of stuff. So... If it's handled right, and we all know that Microsoft's not the greatest at this, uh, I'd be okay with freemium if it's handled right. If you got a pretty decent chunk of the game where you could have a complete experience without buying anything. Probably the best scenario is it being 15 bucks or whatever. Um, get, given that it's going to be probably predominantly on console. I want to see more about it. I'd be willing to buy it on PC if I could do a lot of the same things the video, should, the presentation of E3 showed, or if there's 
not that much taken out of it because it doesn't have connect. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that that kept me from getting into say the little big planet uh, level editors and stuff is just it was it's just so dense, right? I I don't know whether this game like it had better be accessible, you know. Well, mm-hmm. and, and maybe Glacinator can can add to this thought I'm going to have. There are a lot of map builders and level editors that are pretty much plug and play. Mm-hmm. There might be some geometry things that would throw you off at first, but as long as you didn't get so frustrated that you walked away from it, you could you could easily learn it and and not and and not have it feel like a job or work. Um, the last one I tinkered with a little bit was Neverwinter Nights uh, Campaign Builder. And it had some advanced concepts in it that Glace probably would understand fully, and I had a th- pretty much a thimbleful of understanding. I have more now that I've played with it. Um, but I think plug-and-play, if they want to make it accessible to everyone, is the best overall solution. Now... But that leads to the flip side. Now, Glace, if it's just kind of plug and play, would that get too boring for you, or, or what's your take on a on a map editor from with your background and some of the things you're learning? Um, I think you have to find the right balance between it being intuitive and it being dumbed down. Uh, I think that's why Minecraft got so popular, just because it was so straightforward and it completely avoided a menu system at all. Honestly, I mean, you just pick your block, down it goes. I mean, of course, it's not a perfect parallel to this game, but I guess Little Big Planet is a good comparison just because I've, I've messed around personally in that level editor a few times, and there's just so many different things to go through, and especially in Little Big Planet 2 where you can like add like basically like electronic resistors and all these like touch sensors and stuff, and it, they're all very useful, but I just don't understand how to use them practically and i really don't want to have to sit through like 30 tutorials on how to place them in the level correctly so you you do have to find a you have to find a balance and as someone who is an animation who has to deal with all these annoying animation software programs it, it can get frustrating after a while having to figure out which single button you have to press to make it do this one single thing so the more intuitive you can get the better but of course that's obvious so well, my my problem has always been that making a map editor that can do both can't be that bloody hard. You know what I'm saying? Give you an A type and a B type. Mm-hmm. A B type. I, I, I think Halo did a good job in Forge mode. Yeah. With how that worked. I agree. It but basically you... just used the game's own physics engine to have everything go off of, and really you just play stuff and move things around. As soon as you get like overly detailed, then people just get lost. I mean, people, certain people will make cool things, but not everyone will be able to get into it. Well, I think, but that's where where I was kind of going. You know, you can have an A type like like the Forge editor. Um, a lot of the aspects of the Neverwinter Nights campaign maker, but then you can have a B type that's more like. This may be taking it a bit too far, but it'll give you an idea, Glace. More like the Maya interface or any 3D modeler, you know, that if you sat most people down in front of, including me most days, they'd just sit there and stare at it. 
Well, I hate Maya. I hate everything about Maya. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, what's that engine I was playing with um, for a while and have off and on when it's not pissing me off? Um, Unity, same thing. You know, there's parts of it you could sit somebody down that's never touched anything like that before and they'd be able to play with it a little bit. Google Sketch, the 3D sketcher I use for making parts and pieces and things, uh, ranch stuff, is kind of that way too, you know. I would be much happier some days with a plug-and-play depending on how my brain's functioning and how hard I am up against the deadline. Yeah, my bit of an example, you're about person 5,720, it's told me they hate that program. But apparently it's needed. Because <laughs> it still exists. And it's still used quite a bit. Um, okay, so... The, uh, the last couple things we want to do tonight... Or at least we're going to do tonight is... Uh, for those of you that like Dear Esther... Or like those kind of different tact games... Uh, there's a new one out... Or it's not, maybe it's not so new, but there's a, there's a game out now that I'm seeing some reviews pop up for, not just the one I posted to you guys. I've been looking at my RSS reader as we've done the show, and there's been three or four more, including, I think, your buddies over there, Joystick, uh, John. <laughs> anyway, it's the Stanley Parabola. Parabola. I can never say that word. Parable. Parable. Thank you. There's another one that's close to anyway. The Stanley Parable HD. It's right now 20% off on Steam, which makes it about 12 bucks US. Uh, various other prices, depending on where you live. Do I look like an exchange algorithm? Um, but I, I, I'm reading enough about it from other folks and listening to Glacinator talk about a playthrough he watched of it. That if you like the little bit different, the little bit weird, the little bit out there, no, it's not the level of Naked Midgets game. Which I keep calling it that because I can't remember what the fuck the game is called. But it's similar. I would say it's Journey-esque. I would say it's you know something along those lines that tries to take a different tact on things. Um, there's that one. And then there's this other. So I just searched the... Stanley Parable on uh, Google or whatever fine search engine you prefer to use. And then there's this other one that I've been actually reading up on a little bit, and I'm going to uh, flip a link here for you guys to peruse whenever the hell you feel like. Excuse me, it doesn't have to be right now. But um, it's called Into the Dark. Into the Dark is a first-person perspective survival game. And now, what's different about it is it's truly survival uh and everything that they're setting this game up to be is really about human on human interaction there's no robots with lasers there's no zombies there's no none of that stuff it's literally the world has gone dark it's it there's been a let me actually steal straight from their little spiel here a quiet apocalypse and you have to figure out how you are a character and you have to figure out how to survive. And there's scenarios for it and this on, so on and so forth. Uh, it's scheduled to be out sometime next year. But the reason I'm bringing it up tonight, and we'll pro I'll probably bring it up a couple more times, is uh, the fact that it just reached its Kickstarter funding goal. Um, but this one I wanted to at least ask you guys, 
John, uh, does this hold any fascination for you without enemies, kind of more of a human-on-human interaction? At least that's my what I'm taking away from what they've got here. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, this is very similar to something we talked about on the show. Um, or, or maybe in our in our talks about survival games, you, you were very keen at something like this and Wow, do these people listen to that show, I wonder? <laughs> um, I, I, I know that I've talked about... I don't recall that I'd heard about this until just a few weeks ago, but... Oh, oh yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mean you were talking about this game. I mean you were talking about a game that was about survival, that didn't include zombies, and it was about being in the wilderness. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it's like these people heard, us, heard you talk about it and said, yeah, that's a great idea for a game. My checks can be mailed, too. Um. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of what I've always wanted to see because the thing about Dear Esther, and I'm not going into a long one on this. Don't let anybody panic. Was you had to think. You had to kind of write your own story with Dear Esther. Now the critics on it, uh, a lot of whom I actually you know have some respect for, so I'm not talking just any jackal off the street. You know, the lack of interactivity. Even Glacinator talked about it a little bit. But that that's what I personally loved about that game, was you had to d- d- decide what happened in this specific space you're being given and shown. Um, you know, and I thought the mooding in that game, the, the, the moods in that game did great. There were a couple instances when you're in some very dark or, or kind of uh, crystalline places where... Even though I kind of knew that there was no enemies, I kept expecting it. You know, you're so Pavlovian trained to how video games are supposed to work, or at least mm-hmm. work now, that, you know, it, it, it messes with your head when you're presented something else. It does, you know. Like, I've, I'm finding now, like, I, like I'm, I'm walking into a, into a area of a game, and it's, you know, a big open space with one one entrance, and I was like, oh, well, this is a battle arena. Here we go. <laughs> you know, it kind of takes away from the experience. A bit. Well, the other thing, too, that I should add about this Into the Dark is in top of the on top of the survival story mode, and I'm scanning through the, the website's about page, uh, it also does have a free-form survival sandbox gameplay so glaze what about you I, I'm, I'm remembering now the discussion john is talking about uh, and it seemed like that uh i definitely was into you know something like this but what what do you what do you think about this as it's presented i mean well i said before a million times i love post post-apocalyptic stuff i love dystopian stuff whether it be in books movies whatever so I love seeing that stuff come up in games, you know, whether it be Fallout or whatever else. Um, the art style, I'm not sure the way the game looks is going to be based off of these concept uh, drawings that are done. But the way that that looks, it looks very cel-shaded. So uh, if it is cel-shaded, I'm glad that that's coming back. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty excited for this. Uh, I think, though, that the designers will have to be cautious about how much they rely on gathering supplies and how they, what mechanics they go about using in terms of like making sure you don't die. Uh, cause I can see that, I mean, survival is a very tedious thing. I mean, it's not like, Oh yay, go over here, go over here. It's like, okay, get the supplies, go back, go back over here again. And I don't know if gamers will 
want to go through all the repetitive tasks that involve, you know, surviving in the woods or wherever you're doing. So, I mean, of course, this is all purely, you know, speculation. I, I like to hear a lot more before I have a final thought about it, but it definitely looks interesting. Well, you know, I thought that was going to be, by the way, I've been saying it wrong. I apologize. I was looking at something else earlier. There's too many things going around with the word long and dark into it. The game is actually called The Long Dark. Um, if you hit up Kickstarter you, or if you just type in The Long Dark into a search engine, you'll find a lot of videos and stuff about it. Uh, you know, funnily enough, Glace, there was that open world zombie game where it was more about survival. I think it was an XBLA title or arcade title. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but I know I was on the fence about getting it. And what finally drove me away from getting it was the fact that nah, no more zombies. Um... But it was more about collecting and surviving. My question for this one is, is death going to be really really prevalent? Meaning one false move and you're toast. Like it really happens in the wilderness. Mm, like, a, like, a, like a permadeath thing? Uh, I, I could live without permadeath. <laughs> I really could. I want that. I'll go strip down to my underwear and run out into the wilderness. I mean... Yeah, I mean, they, they could do it like Dark Souls way or, or uh, uh, Zombie U way where, where you can find the remains of the of the person you were and and get their gear or something like that. Like, you play a different person. Well, I mean, okay, spot. yeah, that's fine, but I, I, I think I'm either not making myself understood or... or... Or, 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 or we're missing some kind of connection here. I'm just talking about, like in Minecraft, after the first couple days, you get accustomed to knowing where everything is. Creepers only have a certain pattern. Skeletons, zombies, even Endermen. In, in the wilderness, or, or in a wilderness survival situation, it's the little things that can snowball into bigger things. And then there's instances where you go from normal to in severe jeopardy of dying in just a matter of seconds. And you never know when it could possibly happen. Mm -hmm. Because in the real wilderness, there are things, things some people that listen to this show may not be aware of, like bears and mountain lions and wolves and other people. You know, it's making that as realistic as possible in a setting like this that, that I would applaud. But I don't necessarily know if you have to have permadeath or if you, or I like that idea of, of, of coming upon somebody's remains and picking up all their stuff and knowing full well it was you mm -hmm. laying there as a pile of flesh and bones. Um, but I, I think that's where... Because I felt a few times in Red Dead, that's how the bears attacked you pissed me off <laughs> I fully admit that but you know I got that sense a lot of times when you rode into that one area of Red Dead that you always had to be watching for bears mm -hmm. because they or, were or, or multiple bears right um, I'm kind of like Glace though in that I I, uh, I, I, I want to see a little more about it but I'm intrigued by this they have a gameplay trailer at the very bottom. Of which? Not at the very bottom, but halfway through. With gameplay footage. I'm looking at it now. 
Oh, just above the world tab? Yeah. On the left, they have uh, your stats. Uh, I can see that getting annoying really, really fast. I mean, because your condition is slowly dropping and... I'm, I'm always very wary of those games that have those those health bars that drop so fast. Oh, Minecraft did that. Yeah, uh, the the hunger the hunger update was my least favorite update. <laughs> well, I mean, there is the uh, I'm watching it on mute. There is the uh, as we discuss. There is the aspect of how real do you make it? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess for yourself personally, you'd have to decide how many. I mean, because like the hunger update, not my favorite either. It wasn't enough to make me say fuck this game. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so so I guess it'll kind of come down to that for both of us. If if I'm hearing you right and I'm thinking <laughs> clearly, which I'm not 100% sure on either of those. Uh, you know, wh- whether or not it will... I like the art. Yeah, so it is cel-shaded, so... Yep. I'm sure all three of us here appreciate that. <laughs> I do, but... Yeah, actually, I do. Never mind. He just got close enough to the house watching while I'm watching this video. Um, what about you, John, as far as some of the conditions and survival bars and... and um all this stuff that Glace and I are, I are talking about. Like, I'm watching right now, and he's got... Um, it's telling you temperature, time of day, mm-hmm. uh, the calories stored, your condition, which is just overall health, hunger, uh, which he's hungry, slightly thirsty, slightly tired, and slightly cold. Hmm. Uh, does that kind of stuff kind of make you less enthusiastic or oh whoa he's actually taking some damage <laughs> I think that's interesting uh, to have all that all that input and, and to make and base decisions uh, you know and actions on those I would I would hope it didn't take me too much out of the out of the experience but then again how would you necessarily know? If you're cold, if you did, or you know, unless your character started to shiver or something like that, um, would be a little bit tough. Well, it's minus twenty six degrees Celsius. I'd say I'd be more than yeah. I mean, he's freezing now as the video mm-hmm. plays on my other monitor. Uh, Glaze, uh, w- uh, would just oh. to add on that real quick. I would prefer for much more for it to be an organic, more organic in terms of how like. The stats are shown because I mean I don't want to be looking at the left at these numbers the whole game, making sure the numbers are okay. I'd rather it be more like like what you said, what John said about oh your character shivers when he's cold or you know it's not as like math stat oriented. That's gonna be kind of hard in first person. Yeah, I know, but and that's the challenge though. So, uh, well, let me ask you this: since you seem the most or the most leery about it. If there, if in the sandbox mode you could do away with a lot of that or change it to suit your purposes, would that make the survival mode more appealing? Knowing you have something to fall back on to play if if survival mode's not for you. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, rather the whole game was less yeah. direct with the numbers. Exactly, I agree. Mm-hmm. 
as I sit here and continue to watch it and we're just kind of shooting the breeze, the, the numbers really don't bother me that much. But that I think we're I think we're illustrating the uh, prime difference between somebody who plays MMOs and somebody who doesn't. Watching numbers and, and, and stats has almost become just second nature for me. And I don't think it draws me out of the experience. Um, for, truthfully, we'll have an answer before this game comes out. Because one of the most immersive formats for me, especially with Skyrim, is Elder Scrolls. And their MMO is going to be out before the end of the year, I think, or early 2014. And so it'll be interesting to see if an MMO type setup, you know, in in, in what's traditionally been a single player RPG, makes me or bugs me as much as, as these numbers are kind of getting to glaze a little bit. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is, uh, we need you know when we see games, whether they're in production or out that you know we think somebody besides us may like you know because as much as we talked about dear esther and and nobody casually mentioned or emailed us to tell us to shut the hell up about it i'm thinking it found some people that liked it or some people that were at least interested curious about that um so we'll be keeping an eyeball on that um anything else tonight gentlemen Anything you saw in gaming this week, or not gaming, or comics, or nerd stuff, or or, or anything? Mm. Trying to think. Oh, I I did see um, I cut Metallica's Through the Never movie, the 3D IMAX movie. Do, do, have we talked about that yet? No. No. Well, if Metallica put out this 3D movie. Uh, I don't it was not an IMAX movie, but it's a 3D movie. It's a concert film that they've kind of intermingled with this sort of um I'll call it apocalyptic cuz the, the the city in which the concert is uh happening kind of goes for a complete dump where there's some sort of you know un unexplained uh, uh, uh social uprising against the, the local police and stuff and you know the, it's kind of turning into sort of a little bit of Mad Max uh, going, you know, the way people are starting to get dressed up versus the cops and this and what's going. And the story, the way it goes, there's a guy who's not really a, a roadie, but he's more of a gopher. And, and, and they say, well, you go for this thing that we need for the show. You go for this kind of stuff. And they send him on this mission to bring gasoline to a broken down van that has something that the band needs for the show. So you follow his 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 travels and his plight, as it were. And what, and then it bounces back and forth between him doing his thing and the and the concert, and uh, yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's not it's the the scenes and uh, it looks great. It was you know beautifully shot. The the cinematography is great, but there's there's very little substance in the story. You know, you just see him go from one shitty scenario to another, and then it gets a little more and more uh, out there. Um, there's a scene that's something like something out of Dragon Ball Z, to be honest. <laughs> At one point, to another point, where someone gets caught on fire and then decides he's still going to fight, and it's some. Um, and and then this this guy riding a horse with a giant sledgehammer, with this like sort of Darth Vader mask on, who, you know, it's 
it's it's weird, but it's entertaining. And you know, it's it's a it's it's popcorn movie. It's you know, go in there and just you know, escape, I guess. Um, so that's fine. But the concert itself, like I, I you know, I'm a big Metallica fan, so I really enjoyed the uh, the, the 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 song list, the set list, and and you know, the, whatever concert that was, whether that's the one they took on tour or not, must have cost a fortune for all the props and all the special effects during the show and that they had during that thing, because. Boy, oh boy, there was a lot of stuff uh, that they had. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if 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 it's in your theater near you, uh, I would recommend it a lot. So it's essentially almost like a Pink Floyd, The Wall movie kind of thing, part concert, part. Not I guess concert. so. To, to be honest, I've never seen Pink Floyd, The Wall. Um, but well, there it's... goes your rock. Whoa. There goes your Whoa. rock. Whoa. My rock cred is is damaged. Um, Apparently, oh because the youngest among us, oh my goodness, John, has seen Pink Floyd: The Wall. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I, I respect Pink Floyd, but I, I don't have anything by them. <laughs> I think I have. I think I, I think I have a record of Dark Side well, of the Moon. I don't either, but that movie, though. So you're saying I should pick? I should. I should. I should check that out. Yes. <laughs> if anything, for the Nazi hammers. Ooh. Okay. Yes, they're not. It's you don't have to be a fan of Pink Floyd to see it. Mm-hmm. Potheads everywhere in America would agree with me. <laughs> it's not yep. Jacob's Letter. It's not Clockwork Orange, but it's 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 a little out there. Yeah, I mean Nazi hammers. Come on. Yeah. Well, this 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 thing is a yeah. It, it, it's just something nice to fun to watch and look at. Like it's. I didn't walk away going, "Oh my God, the deep meaning of this thing," or nothing like that. Is but it's it's just fun. If you make sense of Pink Floyd's "The Wall," you'll probably be the second, beside the guy that directed it. Was that a snort from you, Glacinator? No, that was me. Oh, not me. Uh, I, I the thing I like about. Metallica and always have even if I didn't like particularly like the albums is they're not afraid to change shit or to do something different yeah and just go here it is uh, if you like it great if you don't well it's always next album <laughs> mm-hmm. which for some people was three or four of those so there's always next album um, mm-hmm. before well, Death Magnetic kind of returned them to their roots yeah according to other people uh yeah, I, I I think they are a band who who likes to try new things. Like they did um, that album that album that was uh, and video of them with the I think it was the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, and they also did. Um, I mean, they 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 did a video game. They bring about the video games. They did the, the the you know the Guitar Hero Metallica, which is you know as much as it's a Guitar Hero game and it's just you know jewels and stuff. Based on what I saw uh, in some of the in some of the extra clips, like the the videos, the extra videos that they show, uh, they had a big part in in what that game looked like, and and all the motion capture, like all four of the guys played all the songs and did all the motion capture. Like there's there's them with the little the little dots all over their bodies, <laughs> you know, miming their performances basically, and you know, I mean, they seem to be willing to do different things. I mean, they they just they just held their own. Uh, music festival, I think the Orion Music Festival. It was second year this year, and so you know they're, they're not afraid anyway. 
I mean, yeah. they have the money to do it, but... Well, I mean... God, we don't need to get into another 30 minutes of music discussion. That's not supposedly what this podcast is about. But, to me, I... Uh, artists that make radical departures from their supposed-to-be style, uh, I almost buy their albums just because. If it's, if it's a band I like prior. Mm. Because you can't do the same shit year after year. You can't just keep making Injustice for All. It might please some metalheads, but as an artist, I mean, Glacinator, would you like to be given the same thing to draw from now until the time you're 35 over and over again every day? Nope. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... And when that says yes, is a total sellout. So that that's the, that's the other thing. You know, when Metallica did... What was the one with St. Anger on it? Um, which by the way, I like, yeah. Well, load and reload. I heard the term Sella, and I thought, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Because to me, Sella means exactly what Glacinator said. You do the same crap over and over again. I don't care what genre. You could tie this right back into video games. When you do the same crap over and over and over again because you know it's safe. It's like what you and I were talking about last week, John. That's mm-hmm. always going to be more of a sellout to me. And that's a term I'm not particularly fond of. Everybody's trying to sell out or make money, period. I mean, truthfully, we're all prostitutes of some type at some point. I don't mean literally. Um, you know, so I, I, I've... Hey. More power to them. And the music festival thing, I think that's cool. If the Prince of fucking Darkness can have a music festival and get away with it for a d- decade, then anybody can. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think Ozzy's lost his hardcore rep because of a music festival. <laughs> no. I think he lost it because of a reality show. Um, most entertaining train wreck that has ever been fucking put on TV. So. Is that it? No, that's it for me. Glace. Yep. I mean, uh, the new Wes Anderson movie trailer just showed today. What's he making cool. now? Ooh, something slipped under my radar. What's he ma- What's he up to now? Uh, it's called the Grand Budapest Hotel, and it looks pretty awesome. So Grand Budapest Hotel. Anyone else listening should totally go check it out. Here is a link. There you go. But. I will cue that up to be watched in about ten minutes when we're done with the show. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Just reading the text description, I think that's probably just the movie I'm going to want to watch. Um, so, the big news tonight, when we do our end of the spiel show that Patman started and I carry on... I carry on faithfully, if not as good as he does it, <laughs> or did it, uh, is we have finally decided, progressives that we are, to get into the forum racket. It may seem a little ridiculous when you think about it, but truthfully, the uh, we came, a lot of us, from forums when we started WonderPod and then WonderPod Online. Uh, in fact, when we started WonderPod, we were still a part of a site with forums and a whole nine yards. And so, so to say that, that it, we were a little over forums, maybe some of us more than others, <laughs> I know I was. Is an understatement, but it seems like if any time was the right time to throw some up and see what happens, it's now. So 
we have uh, we have them created. They are available for you to sign up. Um, there's really only one person I expect to see his name after I go to these two into signing up, and that would be Roger. I don't care. Sign up under some kind of name. I have mysterious ways of knowing it's you. Um, <laughs> but they are located at, and I will put some links everywhere. We on Facebook tomorrow. Depending on when you hear this, which should be tomorrow, and for the most part, as late as I put it up, um, it's going to be at wonderpotonline.com/wpo-forums. You type that in, it should get you there. I don't want to confuse too many people. Just type in wonderpotonline.com backslash that backslash. Yeah, I don't know. I don't type shit in anymore. Uh, WPO forums, and you'll get there, and then you can sign up, and then you can. We have a ton of forums. We have gaming. We have um, general nerdity, TV and movies, sports for you sports fans, which includes pro wrestling. Yes, it was an, it was uh, my idea. I will solely take credit for the one that stuck wrestling under sports because, hey, they, it, it may be predetermined, but they're fucking athletes. Get over it. Um, so there's that. That's brand new. Forums. Uh, if you don't like posting on Facebook, if you don't like commenting necessarily on on WonderPod posts and the other things I'm about to tell you about in 20 seconds, uh, then, hey, sign up on the forums. Uh, we're pretty laid back. There is a band hammer. <laughs> you probably don't want to know who's wielding it, <laughs> but there is one, so you can't get two out of hand. But we're pretty laid back, so so anything short of uh, you know full, full frontal nudity, unless it's awesome, we're probably going to allow it. The other ways you can get in touch with us, though, and that's where you can also find links to the forums tomorrow, is Facebook. It's WonderPod Online, all one word. We have a Facebook. We have a website, if you didn't figure that out from the link I just quickly read 20 seconds ago. Uh, it's WonderPodOnline.com, where you will also find links to the forums tomorrow, namely in the show post I make there. The reason I make that show post is for archival purposes, but also to give you fine listeners an embedded player. So if you've been downloading MP3s up to this point, just cut this part of the show out or fast forwarded through it, which to a certain extent I wouldn't blame you. Uh, you can go to wonderpotonline.com. You can listen to a show on an embedded player. I did listen to the episode that John and Glacenator did last Friday night after too much coffee editing the show, and that's how I did it. I did it on the embedded player. But if you want MP3s, we are on iTunes. iTunes, Wonderpod. We are also on archive.org. Again, Wonderpod. Search, destroy, seek, whatever. Oh, what the hell else? We have a Twitter. It's at wonderpotonline.com, at wonderpotonline.com. Mostly it's just links to posts that were made on the site, but occasionally somebody gets on there and does stuff. It's been a while, though. Uh, we have YouTube channels, uh, Wonderpot Online YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel, figure it out, the 36Wii YouTube channel, Glacinator's got a YouTube channel with some funny animations and uh, Super Meat Boy playthroughs, John... Listen, not John. Chris Lloyd's got a YouTube channel. It's a fanish YouTube channel. And if none of that works for you, we have an email address. It's wonderpod at wonderpodonline.com. Wonderpod at wonderpodonline.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter if you want at O R I G I M. Or you can follow John on Twitter at John Keo, J O N K E H O E. Usually hosting weekly rap battles. Sometimes I'm a part of them, sometimes I just watch them. Until episode 181, I am Bruce McGee. I'm out of here. See you, people. Cheers. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Goodbye.
<laughs> what was that noise? Trying to add that like the lowest note on your goodbye. Goodbye. Just using my tongue to do it. Probably shouldn't have. So long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the show is over. Get the fuck out. <laughs>